0: So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by Realtorandababy.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. Realtorandababy at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, lords, ladies, kings, and queens. Hello, queen. Fish. Fish. I don't think we've ever gotten the fish in there i feel like we're not being as inclusive as we should be
1: no i think in the first episode we mentioned the koi pond in the backyard but you've never brought them up since
0: well let's get the fish and the reptiles in there we want to be as inclusive as possible gays straights blacks whites dogs cats those that identify or do not identify as alcoholics it is season two Episode 12 of the World Famous So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. I am Chris, and I am an alcoholic. And I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. Happy Lent, my love.
1: Happy Lent. We're like halfway through. Whatevs. I know. Did you give anything up this year?
0: Nope. Gave up alcohol a couple years ago. <laughs> Does that count for <laughs> Lent for the rest of your life? Percocets and heroin. <laughs> Um, I guess you've already done the hard work. That's about it. Sounds like enough. I cut out the opiates and the alcohol and well, here we are.
1: Here we are.
0: Want to make sure we thank our sponsors bright and early. Our studio sponsor is Marlane Graphics, com for all of your printing needs. And dot com for all of your real estate needs. Shall we PSA? Yes. Yes, we shall. Oh, boy. This evening's PSA is brought to you by the one and only Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes. Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes for all of your double penetration needs. Interestingly enough, Auntie Gay P and the American Cancer Society recommend a colonoscopy for males over the age of 50. They actually changed it to 45. You're not even a real doctor.
1: Okay, just saying.
0: It's my PSA. Keep going. You want a PSA? Get your own goddamn show. <laughs> Everybody, get your fucking colons checked.
1: Chris and I are actually going together.
0: We are. We have double colonoscopies booked.
1: We do. We have been a consult with the doctor first. And when I was booking it, she's like, do you want to come together? I was like, we do, actually. That's our plan.
0: We do. And we actually put on this world-famous podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called So I Married an Alcoholic. And we'd like to do an episode from your GI suite. We were quickly denied. Something with HIPAA, I don't know. I'm not even worried. I just, I think it would be incredibly entertaining and frankly valuable to our audience to hear me come out of some sort of medical coma after having a camera inserted into my asshole.
1: You ever see those YouTubes with like the kids getting their wisdom teeth out and coming off the anesthesia?
0: This is exactly where the inspiration came from.
1: I I mean, it's the same doctor, so we'll probably be one after another. Maybe I can still record you. Except it's probably no recording devices. Although I can't tell you the amount of times that I'm, like, seeing a patient. All of a sudden I look up and I'm like, excuse me, are you Snapchatting me? Mm. I know. I remind them that's also illegal. (sighs) Anyway. You done? Yeah, that's all I got.
0: Okay, I'm going to continue with the PSA if you don't mind. Okay, I'm sorry. I also think it would be valuable for our listening audience to see my brand new... Ceramic coated bleached asshole. You're ridiculous. I know. I'm just saying. I know. All right.
1: Let's what's, move what's on.
0: the point of bleaching your asshole if nobody's gonna be able to see it?
1: I'm surely not looking at it.
0: I'm sure there were others that would line up to see my fresh <laughs> leather Cheerio.
1: That's your past life, sweetheart. All
0: right. <laughs> Depends on how your colonoscopy goes. It might be my <laughs> new 15th life. What what are we up to now?
1: I don't know.
0: I don't even know. Anyways, so Auntie Gay P and the American Cancer Society recommend you get your colons checked. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes our PSA for the evening. This PSA is brought to you by Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes for all of your double penetration needs. Now, we need peddlers. Desperately. Sign up. Please peddle. Team Foster. Dot org, And then
1: join a team, the So I Married an Alcoholic team, preferably, and come and pedal. Email us. Let us know when you would like to pedal. You can pedal as much or as little as you'd like.
0: That's right. Five minutes, five hours, the we'd entire be, weekend. We'd be happy to have you. Well, I will entertain you. Again, there may or may not be caviar involved. I guess that depends on how your colonoscopy goes.
1: I know. And we are going to be um, doing a show from the event so feel free to come ride say hi and be entertained
0: absolutely I can't wait it's coming up soon I know June 4th and 5th at Lincoln Financial Field I gotta start training yeah you should I know tell me about it after I got you that amazing $300 Tory Burch gift card and you threw it back at me which ended up somehow at my office and then redeemed at a Tory Burch location and then you get all pissy because you were like, oh, I went a Peloton. And the Peloton's been sitting here collecting dust. It's actually holding up laundry at this point in time. It
1: currently is. I went strong for the first month. Then I got the stomach bug and that had a setback. Then I went strong again. And then I don't know what this week's excuse is, but I got to get back on it.
0: Mm, key I word. know. Yep. Keyword.
1: I know. I know.
0: Anywho, what do you want to get into this evening, boo?
1: I don't know. We're having trouble picking a topic for tonight.
0: We were. I was actually talking to Meg earlier today, and I was like, ooh, let's do double standards. And then I was like, I only have two really good double standards.
1: And I was thinking about all my double standards, like, in this house, and they were just making me angry at you. So maybe it's better we left that one out for tonight.
0: Maybe you should give up resentments for Lent. (laughs) Or your second marriage, or I don't know. Any number of occasions. (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: Then Chris was like, do you want to talk about the monitoring program you're in? Hmm. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to talk about that. And then we started talking about things like that and how people get sober with them, Mm -hmm. just much like legal issues. And can you really get sober? Like drug courts, another big one.
0: Yes, absolutely. A big part of Auntie P's story is that he was, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, we've had him on the podcast, and he was very open about the fact that he was forced, basically, to go to drug court. Well, actually, forced isn't a good, I think, word for that. He he was given (laughs) two options, go to jail or go to drug court. So
1: he chose drug court.
0: Right. So, I mean, in a way, it's kind of, you know, getting forced to. But he will also tell you that much like your monitoring program, drug court quite literally saved his life and then placed him, if you will, on this path that he's on as we speak.
1: Yes. And very similarly to Auntie Gay because he did tell this as part of his story. When he entered drug court, it was to save himself from jail, not because he necessarily wanted to get sober.
0: Correct. I mean, we were living at the recovery house, you know, several years ago. And he was like, I can't wait for I don't know what the date was. And he's like, and then I'm going to put a needle in my arm and get all fucked up.
1: Yes. Like, a, yeah, graduation.
0: Yeah. Like we knew he was joking about that, but.
1: Well, and I think you had told me before that he had said a couple times seriously he wasn't sure if he wanted to stay sober necessarily when it was all done.
0: I think the closer that we got to, I guess we could call it his graduation date, and again, I'm I'm sort of, you know, putting words in his mouth because unfortunately he's not here to defend himself, but I think he started to question whether or not he wanted to stay sober.
1: Because he no longer had to. Correct. Yeah.
0: And then thank God, you know, ultimately he made that decision that he was going to stay sober because... He had a great new life in front of him. Exactly. And was living this, you know, amazing sort of free life.
1: Yeah, which was given to him, kind of forced on him by drug court. Correct. So my story is um, pretty similar uh, in a sense. It doesn't involve a drug court per se, Um, But I am in a monitoring program. My drinking quickly escalated probably in, I would say, the year and a half before I got sober is when things started to get bad. I had had a good, like, three and a half years of sobriety prior to that when I had my son. Mm -hmm. And then my life started to fall apart and I started drinking.
0: By fall apart, what, I mean... There's a number of ways that someone's life can fall apart.
1: My marriage was falling apart. Oh. Yeah. So I dealt with that by drinking. Oh. Yes. And I, you know, first it was some binge drinking, you know, once a month then twice a month then once a week. And by the end, you know, I've been open about this. I think the last probably two and a half months was every single night mm-hmm. until the night I... Had my normal routine. I used to work 11 in the morning till 7 at night. I'd rush out of there. I'd stop at a bar on the way home, always a different one, so no one recognized me. Smart. Anonymously drinking in the corner.
0: So you thought.
1: I'd house four, five, six glasses of wine. Sometimes I'd have to do this between a couple bars. You know, again, to
0: go Stagger.
1: unnoticed, right? Hmm. Just stopping, having a
0: glass after work. A little social glass of wine. But
1: I had four other stops on the way here.
0: Excuse me, ma'am. You're supposed to sip that, not shoot it. <laughs> anyway, I got a DUI. Ooh.
1: Yes. Horrible. I mean, I luckily did not hurt myself or anyone else, but I very well could have. hmm It was not the first time I had driven after drinking.
0: Okay. I think that's fair. I think you are a better person for admitting it. I don't think there's a lot of people that would admit that they I don't want to say frequently got behind the wheel after being intoxicated, but I'm pretty sure that almost everybody's done it at some point.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I always said like, "Oh, I was ne- I would never drink and I never had my son in the car." Well, it doesn't matter. Everyone else's kids were on the road. You know what I mean? Like I- so selfish, but anyway mm. I got pulled over, like I said I didn't hit anyone or anything, thank god
0: Well, you may not have hit anyone You did hit something
1: I I mean, it wasn't an accident or anything My car was a little beat up, but I don't think It was necessarily from hitting something In particular
0: uh, Something about a guardrail So I've been told Allegedly, Allegedly. <laughs> But I guess if you don't remember it It just doesn't count so anyway, excuse me ma'am, did you hit a guardrail?
1: Mm. Not that
0: I'm aware of. <laughs> not
1: that I recall, which was a true story. I did not recall. I didn't resist or anything. I was like, we don't need to go through this whole like sobriety checkpoint thing. I'm definitely drunk.
0: <laughs> Mommy's tired. <laughs> Let's so, go to bed.
1: Is someone going to drive me home now? No, that's actually not how it works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: the police were incredibly kind to me. They actually parked my car in a parking lot drove me to the police station they did put handcuffs on me i was like oh that's not necessarily i I won't uh, i won't resist or anything and they're like yeah it's part of the protocol though i was like oh okay yeah
0: because twenty thousand people said that same thing (laughs) and then the cop ended up getting punched in the back of the head from the back seat
1: yeah so they they do make you wear the cuffs yep Yep. and then um i called my parents when i got there they came Mm. and picked me up they were furious
0: now let's talk about furious
1: it, my dad will tell you it is the only time he has ever used the F word towards me.
0: Fun? That
1: was not it.
0: Fancy? Nope. So Big Jim had never sworn at you before, no, ever? No,
1: not me. Mm-mm.
0: Oh, oh, not you? Maybe Jimmy, but, you know, that's how guys talk. That's just locker room talk.
1: Yes. Um. So, and I'm, you know, they're driving me back to their house, and I'm, like, yelling in the back seat, like, blaming them for my DUI, which they had nothing to do with, quite Shocking. frankly. Um, and, I, I, you know, basically I was, uh, you know, this is what I, I'm... I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to move out of my house. I'm going to do all these things. And I don't have a problem. My situation's the problem. Blah, 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 blah. And on and on. And then Mimi. Are you nuts? So anyway, I guess the next morning they drove me then to get my car. And I drove home. Mm-hmm. And then... I was terrified.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I, as a person who's had more than one run-in with the law, I, I'm not going to say terrified, but you definitely feel some sort of way. So again, I felt
1: if, terrified. If you were terrified, yes, like terrified. That's, you
0: know, that's entirely your prerogative to feel so. I always felt like, um, I, I want to say disappointed but I don't necessarily think that disappointed is a strong enough word like you feel like a shit bag.
1: I was I was terrified because of what I could lose I knew my marriage was ending I was trying to end it for quite some time at this point I had a son I did not want to lose him mm-hmm. I also am a nurse practitioner so I hold a medical license so anyway um, I was terrified what does this mean so I'm spiraling in my head what do I do what does this mean Blah, blah, blah. I also had been, you know, trying to get out of my marriage, but afraid to get out of my marriage.
0: Unsuccessfully.
1: So I was like, all right, maybe this is a way to do it.
0: I just, I'm going to put this out there just for future reference. Sure. If you need to go,
1: <laughs>
0: I don't have to go to rehab this time. Yeah, no, you don't have to get a DUI.
1: I appreciate that, honey. That's very kind. Just like leave a note. <laughs> leave a note. And some cash. I was just going to say in the checking account number. Yeah. So please. I, um, probably still drunk called a rehab um at six in the morning and someone always answers just so you know
0: which is one of the most amazing things about rehab
1: and then when i worked at a rehab i realized it's the night shift nurses that answer
0: which is the most unamazing thing about rehabs and so so you have at this point you have no first-hand knowledge of rehab none i was nobody in your immediate family has ever been to rehab no There's nobody even like. No friends, really. Like, I I mean. Co workers, extended family, uh, various. What do you call a male mistress?
1: I have no idea. But at 6 a.m., half drunk, going into the hungover portion, I decided this was definitely the best idea. So I call at about 6 a.m., and the nurse is like, okay, hon. Like, there's no one. The emissions isn't here yet. They come in, though, I think it's 7. Call back. We'll get you. We'll get the process started. We can get you admitted today. And I was like, okay. So I did. I called back right at 701 because I knew if I didn't call back at 701, I was not calling back again. (laughs) And then my parents and my now ex-husband literally like followed me around. Like, I went to Target to do pre-rehab shopping.
0: You're such an asshole.
1: Well, so first of all, I got the admissions guy on the phone. I told him everything that was going on. He's like, you qualify for detox and inpatient. You have great insurance. We'll definitely take
0: you. Not that there's, like, a really stringent qualification criteria. Like, I think pretty sure all you have to do is say, like, I need help.
1: Yeah, but you actually have to be drinking enough to qualify for, like, detox and things of that nature. You always qualified automatically so you didn't know there was a process.
0: Yeah, no, I just figured it was like... Exactly, you were in. As long as you still had a pulse, they'll take
1: you. (laughs) The guy's like, okay, well, we can admit you as early. I have like a one o'clock time, two o'clock, three o'clock. I was like, I'm going to take the one because, again, I knew I was going to lose my nerve. So I told a couple people I was going and I was like, I'm sure I'll be there like a week, two tops. I get there, I do the whole admission thing. I can't believe... Oh, yeah, so I did the pre... pre Pre-rehab shopping. I was like, I'm going to need like new sheets, I think. Because the guy, I'm going to make sure I have enough clothes. You know, I was doing all that.
0: Such an asshole.
1: So I'm going to bring a fresh pillow. I think I bought a comforter. Like uh, by week two, I had a a mattress topper.
0: You're a fucking asshole.
1: So anyway.
0: (laughs) Fucking believable. I like
1: called my dad. I can't sleep on this. I need a mattress topper. So anyway. You know Big Jim. I get admit it. And, you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm at rehab, but I still was kind of not, like, thinking this was reality and really happening.
0: Yeah, that's pretty typical, I'd say.
1: So when you get a DUI and you have a medical license, it is reported to the state. The Mm. DMV, actually, I believe, is who reports it to the, like, State Board of Nursing. So while I was in there, I had gotten, I guess, a letter first, but obviously I didn't receive it. And then a call? I must have called someone because I don't know how they found me. And I talked to the woman who was going to, there's a program that nursing, the board of nursing does. Mm -hmm. Um, I think each state has their own Mine's specific to Pennsylvania. And what it is, is you're put in touch with someone that actually is like your advocate
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for this program. If you follow through with this program, you will not have a mark on your license.
0: Versus if you never entered the program, a mark on your license would look like? I I would have lost my license. Potentially, I could have lost my license
1: if I didn't go into this program. But if I, I think it's, I'll be honest, I don't actually know that part of this, how the process works. Because I voluntarily admitted myself to rehab without telling the Board of Nursing first Mm -hmm. about the DUI. When they found out about the DUI, I was already in rehab. And so that's where they reached me. Okay. And so I had the first conversation with the woman and my counselor. And the woman, you know, was very nice and trying to explain everything to me. And she said, you know, you got a DUI so that gets reported to the board of nursing.
0: And at this point, I'm sure you're shitting your pants.
1: Yeah. And then she's like, traditionally what happens is then you have a drug and alcohol assessment done. If they determine through that assessment that you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, then you have the opportunity to enter this program. Mm -hmm. If you enter this program, complete this program, it's like nothing ever happened. If you choose not to enter this program, then I believe they revoke your license and then you can like petition for it back or something in like two years. Which
0: just sounds expensive. Yeah,
1: and like you're not guaranteed to get it back. So I was like, okay, well I'll enter the program. Now, the interesting thing about it is, she's like, so since you're in rehab, you have a diagnosis. And I was like, wait a minute, hold the phone. If I had gotten a DUI, it was reported to the Board of Nursing, and I did the drug and alcohol assessment, and they said, how much are you drinking? And I said, oh, not much. I just had a glass of wine on the way home. From, you know, wherever, from work, I didn't realize I drank too much, I never do this, blah, 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 I don't have a problem with drugs and alcohol. Could I have not have entered this program at all? She's like, sort of.
0: Hmm.
1: I may have just been let go. No harm, no foul. Interesting. I've never had a problem before. I mean, what's who's to say couldn't have just lied and said, I don't have a problem, you know? I mean, I really wasn't telling myself I had a problem at this point. (laughs) But the rehab, once you're in rehab, you're labeled as having a problem.
0: That's funny how that works.
1: Yeah, so at first I was like, so because I chose to get help, I'm being punished for it. Mm -hmm. Now I've come to realize it was not punishment. Mm. It is a very difficult program. It is expensive. Mm -hmm. It is time consuming. Mm -hmm. It can be confusing at times. Mm. Um, It is a ton of treatment. It is, I had to do 30 days of inpatient because I had entered that on my own. That may not have been forced on me. I may have been able to start at IOP. I would have had to go through this assessment and then whatever they determined would have been my treatment. Since I was in rehab, my next step of the program was to follow through with whatever rehab suggestion was. Mm-hmm. So that was in an IOP program. So I did 28 day inpatient stay. Then I did, I want to say another eight or 10 weeks of an IOP. Mm-hmm. Then I moved on to the outpatient portion, which is two times a week is a healthcare providers group. And at the same time, you must be enrolled in individual counseling once a week. Mm. And that goes on for another year.
0: It sounds rather intensive. It is
1: intensive. And again, it's an expensive process.
0: What would you say you have spent in the what's it been three years?
1: I would think between that and then the DUI like legal fees portion probably 20 grand that's UI probably cost me 20 grand.
0: I'd say that's a, a very conservative estimate yeah
1: probably more.
0: yeah between the drug testing and
1: yeah so the program itself because I'm a nurse practitioner, you pay twice. So it's $300 a year if you're a nurse. If you're a nurse practitioner, you pay the nurse pl- price and the nurse cuz I hold two licenses. So it costs oh, 6 Oh, really? Yeah, so it cost me 600 a year. Then when I um, you know, my inpatient was covered by insurance mostly. I think I had a $500 deductible. My intensive outpatient also, I had a little bit more of a deductible. Maybe that cost me 1200. And then my when I had to do the group twice a week and the individual therapy, I luckily am insured, but you still have a copay right. So I had a thirty dollars copay three times a week.
0: So 30, 60, 90 times 52. I don't do math. We're at like 30 grand.
1: And then drug testing, depending if you get picked for blood or urine, costs anywhere between like 50 and a hundred dollars each time. And you're chosen at least twice a month, if not three or four times.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So it's a very expensive process. But what I will say Ooh. is for me, it had been the best thing. Mm. I went to rehab with no intentions of getting sober. Right. With just saving my ass. Sure. And in the beginning, when I didn't necessarily want to get sober, I had to because my back was against the wall.
0: Yeah. Was that or lose my license my yeah. livelihood go you do know? something else go sell lemonade or yeah whatever it is that you would do
1: and I did that first summer because you can't work in the very beginning it's like three months that you can't work I worked as a waitress
0: while you were homeless at your parents lovely beach house exactly
1: mm-hmm. for me it saved my life because without question I I don't I wasn't ready to get sober I didn't want to get sober Mm -hmm. I had a DUI did not hurt myself or anyone else the next one I probably wouldn't have been as lucky this disease is progressive I would have continued to get worse but the monitor program saved my life and much like drug court it's intense it is strict as can be I mean I had a physical today and the doctor was asking me about meds I take or over-the-counter medicines, and I'm like, I don't take anything.
0: <laughs> and nothing.
1: She's like, What do you like? You have seasonal allergies. What do you take for that? I'm like, nothing. nothing. And she's like, You don't take anything? And I'm like, I'm not allowed.
0: Medically, it's called nothing.
1: It's literally Tylenol and Advil are the only
0: things you're allowed to take. Why did you get a physical today, Megan?
1: For my pre-colonoscopy.
0: That's right. Because we are taking our own advice. And we are bringing you our colonoscopy results, hopefully in just a couple of months.
1: Yes. So anyway, you know, you can't eat certain foods. You can't drink certain things. You can't, like even those like kombucha teas or something that became a like health food. The fuck is that? I have no idea, but they're fermented. So you can't drink them. You can't drink that, that everything bagel seasoning. That's all the rage off
0: the table for me. Red wine vinegar.
1: Red wine vinegar, yeah. Um, Listerine.
0: Red dye number five. I
1: can only use non-alcoholic Listerine, which they do make.
0: They do, which is also more expensive, shockingly.
1: Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's very limited. But again, much like anti-gay pay, I didn't enter this program because I wanted to get sober. I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to lose my kid. I didn't want to lose my nursing license. I didn't know what else to do. So I kind of, I don't know, accidentally got sober in the beginning. There That's was no fair. there was no intention
0: behind it. At what point would you say you actually bought into the whole Okay, so I am an alcoholic and I do need to live a new life?
1: Um, with about seven months sobriety. Okay. Um, I spent that first summer meeting you. Um, Lucky girl. Trying to get into the whole being sober thing, but really all I could think about was how much I wanted to drink.
0: I th- I'd say that's fairly common. Those first days, weeks, months, maybe even year. Yeah. You're white-knuckling it, they call it, which is literally just holding on for dear life, trying not to get drunk or high.
1: You know, I've told this part of my story before. It was that December. Chris was in bed, Mac was in bed, and I'm sitting on the couch, and all I can think about is how I want to drink and how I have this man that I love, this kid that I love, and I would be willing to give it all up and just go get a drink. And maybe all the drinks. Maybe, in fact, that's the better idea. Maybe I should just disappear and move far away and really commit to being a full blown practicing alcoholic. Because you know what? Sobriety's not for me. They said I was gonna be happy, they said I was gonna be joyous and free, all of these things. And I wasn't. I was a ball of nerves, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I realized I was actually an alcoholic. I had been in denial still up to that point, you know, like, fuck the system. I can't drink because of all this bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't that bad. Um, But I realized at that moment that I was willing to give up everything and everyone I loved, my career, my now husband, my kid, my family. Like, I knew I would cut those relationships just so that I could still drink.
0: It's crazy.
1: I know, and I, I. This sounds so corny, but I, I fell into bed that night, and I remember just begging to my, to God, you know, like please, fucking help me, take mm-hmm. away the obsession. I cannot live like this anymore. And this was around that time too. You know, Chris saw I was suffering, and he said the same thing, like enough of this, get a sponsor, and do the work. And that's when I finally did. So you know, I credit God. A.A., my handsome co-host, to getting sober. But I also do credit very much, so that monitoring program that got me through
0: the door. I mean, I, I would certainly call it a stepping stone, right? Because if it weren't for that monitoring program, I mean... Who knows where you would have ended up.
1: And those first seven months when I wasn't ready to get sober, or I wasn't even willing to admit I was an alcoholic, knowing that I had to submit to drug testing, that was random, all this stuff, that was enough to keep me to not say I'm sober, quote unquote, because I wasn't living soberly, emotionally, mm-hmm. but it was enough to get me to not pick up a drink. And you know what? Sometimes in the beginning, that's good enough.
0: That's exactly. If that's all you need or if that's what gets you through the day, then so be it.
1: And one day, if you're lucky enough, it does click, and you get the sponsor, and you do the work, and you dive deep, and you change your entire life.
0: Much like myself, I mean, that first time I went to rehab, I was like, well, I don't look like any of these people, so I must not be an alcoholic. And then it took me another 15 or so years to finally admit it, right? And there are, I mean, numerous ways that you can end up in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. and. I'll be the first to tell you, it doesn't really matter how you got there. It doesn't even matter if you half-ass your way through the program. You know, sometimes a little bit of effort in this program is quite literally all you need to carry you through to another day.
1: I'm always so amazed. You know who the, the people that amaze me the most... Are the ones that are like, I realized I had a problem and then I went to a meeting and then I did all the work and I got better. And I'm like, so you just realized like you went on your own. Like, you know, I'm like totally those are the people that we should all be looking up to. Right. Like to talk about you've got to have a leg up to have that self-actualization. I mean, I went in
0: kicking and screaming. Most do. I think that speaks to, you know, the stigma that's still attached to calling yourself an alcoholic or an addict. Again, it's a- It's not the worst thing in the world you've been called if you've been drinking or drugging (laughs) for more than a couple of days. (laughs) Let me tell you that. But it has quite literally made all the difference in the world. It's why people like Megan is here. People like myself are here on DGP and tens of millions of people around the world. It works.
1: No, it really does.
0: And if you put in just a little bit of extra effort and you do the steps that you get a sponsor and you work on yourself, it opens up this incredible array of possibilities that you never thought were possible before.
1: I agree. Can I ask you a personal question?
0: Yeah, I'll put it in your butt. It definitely wasn't it. Oh.
1: Is it ever hard to listen? Because sometimes when we talk down here, sometimes there's things that we're sharing
0: for the first time. Mm-hmm.
1: Is that ever hard for you to hear? May,
0: to speak to something specifically.
1: Like for me to sit here and tell that part of my story, that we had been together for, you know, several months. I mean, you proposed less than two months later. And to hear in that moment that I would have chosen, that I almost did, choose drinking over you, over Mac, over all those things. Like, is that ever hard to hear? No. Really?
0: Yeah. Hmm. I'm sorry that wasn't a more profound answer.
1: No, okay. Well,
0: it is what it is. Sure. I knew you were in a rough spot, and I knew that what I could have with you was, well, I mean, frankly, the best possible thing for you.
1: (laughs) I mean, I might have been in a rough spot, but I wasn't too bad for you either.
0: And I also know that, you know, if you are an alcoholic or an addict and you're continued to or you're allowed to continue to act in a certain way without anybody checking you or calling you on your bullshit, then it's just going to go nowhere real quick.
1: Oh, no, I agree with that part of it. I guess I guess for me, what I'm saying is like when you told your whole story or whatever, sometimes some of that's hard for me to hear and not because I judge you for it or anything like that, but because of how much I love you. It's amazing, you know, where you've gone with your life. But it's also hard to hear or to have known that you hurt that much. You know, does that make sense? And I know that's made you a better person. But much like with my kids, when their feelings have been hurt or something like that's like hurt you down to the core, you know, like hurt me. Don't hurt my loved ones. You know what I mean?
0: And I have speaking specifically to the the children. I have yet to really experience that and I'm sure that's going to be a gut-wrenching process to Mm -hmm. go through however you know my hurt was a necessary part of my evolution and I know that that's sometimes hard to hear Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you know uh, those of you out there in listener land that that have a sort of intimate knowledge of me ie family close friends things like that I'm sure that it is painful to listen to at certain points, but the whole point of why we do what we do is to share our experience, strength, and hope. And sometimes it's painful.
1: Yeah, very. And I think you're right. I think that's probably what reaches people
0: the most. Like how
1: desperate it can be, how desperate you can be, and how good things can get.
0: And that's where the growth comes from. The growth, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, is a byproduct of my pain your pain you know the pain of the thousands of people that have been in meetings with us that have spoken and shared parts of their story you know that's that's a huge part of why this program works you know because it's not fucking rainbows and pixie dust
1: hard no on
0: that (laughs) you know no
1: no 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 it's grueling it's a grueling process It is. I think a lot of people that have reached out to us or ones that have reached out to me in particular, I think that's one of the things that I always say. This will be the hardest, most painful, difficult, gut-wrenching thing you will ever do to Mm -hmm. get through early sobriety.
0: Oh, without question.
1: But if you can get there, it will be literally life-changing
0: absolutely your
1: outlook on life your way of being the way you process things there is possibilities out there that you never knew were possible you can't even dream them when you're in it
0: the fact that you can wake up on a daily basis and just say you know what haven't had a drink or a drug in 10 minutes since I've been up or whatever gives me this amazing opportunity to be 10 times better today than I was yesterday yeah and that never goes away
1: No, in fact, I think it grows.
0: That was my whole point, darling.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, thank Ah. God Chris has made his point for this evening.
0: Oh, I've made my point several times.
1: I think so, honey.
0: I always do. Thank God for that. Daddy always finishes first. (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: So these programs that are out there are really gifts. The people that have developed them are like pioneers. I mean, there's different judges in each county that started these drug courts. And like they had a vision that they could actually help people. And they did. And one thing that we've talked about with all the different treatment modules and things like that that are out there, there's one thing that has proven results, and that's long-term treatment. And that's what these programs are set up to do and now you'll get people that'll say they're set up to make you fail, right? They're out to get you. Oh, people that are in it say it all the time.
0: Oh, no, I, I'm not questioning that. I'm, I'm questioning the accuracy of that statement.
1: That's the part I'm getting to. I know. So when I would sit in, like, you know, my healthcare providers group, there would always be one, you know, well, this isn't fair. That uh, My drug test came back positive, but it really was, this one was my favorite. This person kept failing because their urines were too dilute well i drink a lot of fluids i work out a lot so i drink a lot of fluids and so the counselor like kind of had her back you know so she called her person and she said well let me tell you the last one didn't come back dilute it came back urine not human (laughs) (laughs) so like she turned in cat piss so like it's one thing to you know get a a dilute urine I had one time where I could only fill one of the cups not two you know Uh, I didn't fail on that though because the one sample was fine but it just like the people that are like oh they're out to get you with everything bagel seasoning blah blah let's be honest you're taking morphine like you know if you fail these programs it's because you're not doing what you're supposed to They're not out to to make you fail. They're out to actually let you live a successful life eventually, but they're hard, and it takes a lot of work to get there.
0: That case in point right there. Also, I just, if I was that woman's counselor, I'd be like, we're just gonna sweep this under the rug because you get, you know, ingenuity points for collecting cat urine somehow. I was going to say,
1: how'd you get the cat pee? I don't want to know. We can barely get poo to pee in the litter box. Forget in a jar. Seriously.
0: All right, baby girl, you got anything else?
1: No, that's it. I'm just incredibly grateful for all those things that were put in my life, My the monitoring program. My DUI, the police officers who were kind to me that night, um, the program, all the treatment things I did, because I did many of them over the last four years, and uh, you.
0: And your father for finally swearing at you, albeit, you know, 30-something years too late. It was very deserved. And Mimi.
1: I know. My parents did save me that night and for the next however long that the insanity pursued.
0: every day. <laughs> yes <laughs> let's call it what it is. All right. Say good night darling. Good
1: night, I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic.
0: I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic. Cut off your pets privates and please, if you are struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out